Lift up the trumpet and loud let it ring, Jesus is coming again. Cheer up your pilgrims, be joyful and sing, Jesus is coming again. This is the voice of prophecy, a voice crying in the wilderness of these modern days. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Coming again, coming again, Jesus is coming again. From our Voice of Prophecy studios in Los Angeles, California, we welcome you to this half hour of inspiration. Music with the King's Heralds, Del Delker, Brad Braley, and H.M.S. Richards, the Voice of Prophecy speaker. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene And wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean Oh, how marvelous, oh, how wonderful this my song shall ever be Oh, how marvelous How wonderful is my Savior's love for me. When with the ransomed in glory His face I at last shall see, T'will be my joy through the ages To sing of His love for me. Oh, how marvelous! Oh, how wonderful this my song shall ever be. Oh, how marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. Oh, how marvelous, how wonderful this my song shall ever be. Oh, how marvelous. How wonderful is my Savior's love for me. Our Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for the marvelous love of Christ. We thank Thee for Thy mercies, which are new every day. Bless us, we pray, in this broadcast, and everyone who listens, for we ask it in Christ's name. There is a place of quiet rest near to the heart of sin cannot molest near to the heart of God. O Jesus, blessed Redeemer, sent from the heart of God, 
Hold us who bow before thee. Near to the heart of God. Abundantly pardon He 
His grace for this hath planned. His child shall rest securely in the hollow of His hand. Let come what may, or wave or tempest, peace be still, tis His command. My soul is held in peace Now is H.M.S. Richards, the voice of prophecy speaker. His subject, for love's sake. In Professor Drummond's book, The Greatest Thing in the World, he tells of meeting natives in the heart of Africa who still remembered David Livingston. They had not been able to understand a word that Livingston said. They had no conception of his theology or the doctrines that he upheld so faithfully. But there was one thing that they knew, the universal language of love through which he appealed to them. That's the language of the heart which we all may speak and which all can understand. It is Christ-like love that reaches people everywhere. And we must have this ourselves if we are ever to be used of God in his service. The world in general will understand little of theology, but it certainly will understand love and kindness and sympathy. The most eloquent sermon we can preach is a loving act in the name of Christ. The Christian gospel is a message of love, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. John 3:16 And Jesus said, "I have loved you." John 13:34 But the gospel of love does not stop there, for the love of God revealed in Christ is to be revealed by Christians to one another. A new commandment I give unto you, Jesus said, that ye love one another, 
as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. John 13, 34. This is the very sign of the true faith, the true proof of Christianity. For Jesus said, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. That's verse 35. Without love, doctrine is cold, helpless, powerless, and dead. Do not misunderstand. Doctrine is important. It is truth, God's truth, but it brings life only when it is filled with love, when it is the explanation of love, the vehicle of love. True Christianity is love, for it's a reflection of the character of God, and God is love, as we are told in 1 John 4, 8. It is important to believe in God, but it's more important to love God and to have the love of God shed abroad in our hearts. Romans 5, verse 5. As Joseph Fort Newton says, the word credo, I believe, does not solve all the crossword puzzles of life until we add this word amo, I love. These are the very words in which Jesus summed up his gospel. Yes, we are to love one another as I have loved you. Those are the words of Christ. That's the standard of our faith, the prophecy of its victory. The title of our address, For Love's Sake, is found in the ninth verse of Paul's short letter, the epistle to Philemon. Philemon's slave, Onesimus, had run away to the city of Rome where the apostle was a prisoner. In some way, Paul met Onesimus there. And under his patient and loving ministry, Onesimus was converted, born again, as the apostle puts it, whom I have begotten in my bonds. That's verse 10. And now uh, the great servant of God is sending Onesimus back to his master Philemon, who also is a Christian, with this beautiful letter. The apostle suggests that he really needs the services of Onesimus and that he actually belongs to him because he has brought him to Christ. Yet he says that Philemon, himself being a convert, should be willing to receive the apostle's word as a command to take his servant back with Christian kindness. Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient, yet for love's sake I rather beseech thee, being such an one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. No wonder Philemon could not resist such an appeal as this. I do not command you, though I might do so, but I beseech thee for love's sake. Forgive Onesimus. Receive him again, not merely as a servant, but a brother beloved especially to me, but how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If thou count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself. The apostle offers to stand good for any damages or to pay any debt that Philemon may think Onesimus owes him. Then he asks that a lodging be prepared. For I trust, he says, that through your prayers I shall be given unto you. I should like to have been present when Philemon opened that letter and read it after taking it from the hand of Onesimus. What mixed feelings must have overwhelmed him. And then those words, for love's sake. A letter from Paul the aged, aged in the service of God, 
bearing the marks and scars of his sufferings for Jesus. Tears must have trickled down Philemon's face. Yes, I think he embraced Onesimus and received him back as a member of his household, indeed as a brother beloved, and all for love's sake. True Christian love is the motive in all service accepted by God. For the love of Christ constraineth us. 2 Corinthians 5.14 That's the secret. I sometimes think it's strange that so many people write letters for spiritual advice and ask, must I do this? Do I have to do this and that and the other? Does it not seem that one filled with the love of Christ would be happy to obey his word in all things? Is not obedience the natural result of love? Did not Jesus say, if ye love me, keep my commandments? John fourteen fifteen. It was the great apostle himself who declared, as we read in Romans 13.10, Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. And in this passage, the apostle is especially referring to the Ten Commandments. For he says in verse 9, For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. You see, friends, when we love, we do. One day a lawyer came to Jesus and asked, Which is the great commandment in the law? And our Savior said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Matthew twenty-two thirty-six. The real secret of the successful Christian life, the obedient life, the life in harmony with the commandments of God, is the love of Christ in the heart. Love does no harm to others. Love does not hate, does not rejoice in the troubles of other people. Love forgives. Love is patient. It has no envy. It's not full of spiritual pride. It's never selfish, not easily provoked does not always see something wrong in the acts of others. Yes, love beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Love never faileth. 1 Corinthians 13, 7. Lord Littleton said, Love can hope where reason would despair. One reason why there are so many church troubles is that some Christians stop loving one another and stop loving God as they did in the beginning. As the Bible puts it, they have lost their first love. Revelation 2, 4. Then trouble begins. How shall we get back this first love? The prescription is right here in the next verse. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works. Our love for God and our love for our brothers has grown cold, but it can be revived if we will repent, if we will ask God to forgive us, and if we will then do the first works, that's what often happens in families. The first love cools off, and the husband and wife do not treat each other as they did at the beginning of their marriage. If this is the condition in your family, repent and do the first works. Do you remember how you used to treat her? Do you remember how you felt? Do you remember how careful you were of your personal appearance? Yes, you were well-groomed. You had a smiling face. You performed little acts of courtesy. 
You brought her gifts and flowers. You expressed your love. Well, do those things again and see what happens. And you too, wife. Do you remember when you first fell in love? Act in the same way now. Ask God to help you, and he will. It's the same in the Christian life. If we perform our religious duties merely as duties, our spiritual experience will be a drudgery. There are too many long-faced Christians today, Christians who have lost the joy of their salvation. This is because their love is cold, their service is based on a bleak duty rather than upon the outworking of the love of God in the heart. God's love is the same in all kinds of weather. No matter what happens, God still loves us. And it's our privilege to love him. Charles Spurgeon, the great British evangelist, was once talking to a farmer who had on his barn a weather vane with an arrow on which was inscribed the words, God is love. What do you mean by that? asked Spurgeon. Do you think God's love is changeable, that it veers about according to the wind? The farmer answered, oh, no, not that. That weather vane means that in whichever way the wind blows, God is still love. And how true that is. To revive our own love for others and to revive our love for God, let us look again at his love. Let us look again at those four brief pictures in the last chapters of the four Gospels. Pictures of Jesus on the cross. Let us look at them until the Holy Spirit writes in our hearts, in letters that never can be erased, these words, for the sake of love. And then we would be able to sing in a better way those wonderful words of George Matheson, which he wrote out of the sorrow of a broken heart, broken by the lack of a human love, but filled again by the love of God. O oh, love that will not let me go, I rest my weary soul in thee. I give thee back the life I owe, that in thine ocean depths its flow may richer, fuller be. Jay.
This is Orville Iverson reminding you to look up and to go forward in faith. And now, here with a final word for you is H.M.S. Richards, a Seventh-day Adventist minister. And this word is to me very important. The voice of prophecy attempts to carry the message of Christ to all the world. But in this attempt, we must have the prayers and interest of our hearers. The only way that we can know that you are listening and that you enjoy the broadcasts is when we hear from you. I know there are thousands who have never written to us. You enjoy the broadcast. You are helped by it spiritually, we trust. We would like to know about this. It would give us great encouragement if we could hear directly from you an encouraging letter. Every radio program depends upon its mail. It's the only way we can know how things are going. So please write to us and tell us how you enjoy the program of the Voice of Prophecy. Make any suggestions you may have, and we will appreciate it very much. And now we say, have faith in God. No terror shall appall. Have faith in God. He hears the faintest call. Have faith in God. To us his love. To all. Have faith, dear friend, in God. We hope our broadcast has brought blessing to you today and that you will listen in again next week to another broadcast brought to you by the voice of prophecy. To one and all we say, The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace.